Welcome to the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. Hi, everyone. This is Michael Zerner, one of the managing partners at We Family Offices. Welcome to the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. I'm joined today by Sam Sudami, our head of macro, and we're going to take today's episode and focus on China. Sam, welcome. Hello, Michael. Sam, China's been in the news a lot lately. And, you know, essentially what looked like from an investor's perspective to be an opportunity in a market with great promise in recent months, uh, you know, has developed a very different set of uh, headlines uh, about China. Can you just talk to us about, uh, in simple terms, what's going on in China from an investor's perspective? Why is there so much noise uh, about China? Sure. So China's economy has grown less than expected, which has been causing concern. It emerged from COVID much later than other countries. And the expectation was that there would be a reopening consumption boom like we saw in the United States. But China's reopening rebound at the beginning of the year was much less than expected. And it's been a, uh, a bumpy takeoff. Consumers have been reluctant to spend, and real estate activity has been feeble. The fall in real estate prices has contributed to low consumer confidence, since property is a very large part of household wealth. Now, the government has been concerned about the high property cost, so it clamped down on real estate market about two years ago. And it was concerned that high property costs were impeding household formation with marriage and birth rates falling and China's facing aging demographics. So getting uh, improving that is absolutely key for them. But as a result of clamping down, the China's property sector has weakened with a glut of housing. So home prices, transactions, and housing starts have fallen. There's been concerns about struggling property developers, and that has renewed fears about financial stress in the real estate sector. But there has been new government stimulus initiatives, which have really started to pick up recently. Uh, and that stimulus is only now starting to have an effect. And the very recent data is improving. So we saw strong credit growth, which can help support growth. There has been a summer travel boom, along with a boost in consumer spending and factory output, which points towards stabilization. Industrial production and retail sales growth jumped last month from a year earlier, much more than expectations. So overall, there is a reduced expectations of growth for this calendar year, which is lower than what was expected. So that has actually fed into from an investment perspective, low sentiment. But we've also seen profits starting to grow. And valuation is extremely cheap, absolutely, and very cheap relative to other markets and relative to China's own history. So it looks like a lot of the bad news has already been discounted. In addition, liquidity has recently started to pick up. So it's possible that we might be nearing the bottom stage of the China cycle. 
So that's very much from a macroeconomic perspective. And yet you touched on, and I want to go a little bit further on the idea that unlike in other Western or developed markets, the degree to which government policy and government decision-making is driving economic policy as opposed to market-oriented uh, policies clearly has had a very significant effect. We've seen it in the technology sector. We've seen it in the housing sector, right? And now we're seeing it in the stimulus sector. How confident are you that with such a high degree of government uh, involvement and political decision-making uh, affecting the economic conditions, how comfortable are you that China is actually investable uh, for Western investors? Sure. So policy-making is still opaque and execution of policy is still very rough. And that really helps to, well, it causes a worsening of sentiment because it creates a cloudy investment environment. But China is shifting its economic model and that is very difficult and rocky. So it's moving from an economy driven by exports and property to one of greater domestic consumption and more higher value-added production. So less of producing it and then exporting it because geopolitical rivalries are starting to increase. You're starting to have more trade barriers, more economic nationalism around the world. So China wants to focus more on its own domestic internal consumption and then develop higher value-added products. So they're trying to create new growth engines, focusing on new industries such as electric vehicles, high tech such as artificial intelligence, and the development of a homegrown semiconductor chip, because those chips are really what power the internet and computing. So in terms of autos, China is strong in electric vehicles, which has a strong growth trajectory. So China has also found new sources of demand for exports. It's starting to export a lot more to the Middle East and its Asian neighbors. So China's exports of autos have almost doubled over the last year and a half. And it surpassed Germany to become the second largest exporter of autos in 2022. And it's likely to surpass Japan this year to become the biggest uh, exporter of cars because it has a very competitive EV sector. In terms of technology, China is spending a lot on developing homegrown technology and using domestic semiconductors. So a few years ago, it was very far behind the West in terms of its cutting edge chips. And from very recently, we saw that the new Huawei phone shows a very fast advancement in the development of, of really high-end chips. There are also other opportunities in internet because there's a high demand for online entertainment and gaming. There are opportunities in healthcare, a growing demand due to an aging population uh, and preventative medicine. So there's a lot of scope in domestic consumption-related sectors as China is trying to shift their economy towards greater household consumption. But this is also, it's not a smooth path. It is very rocky in how that develops. And that can cause a lot of market volatility. So for an investor, particularly a Western investor, how should one play 
the opportunity in China while recognizing that there are material risks in China that are not present in other markets around the world? So one is to invest in sectors that the government is trying to emphasize in domestic consumption, in EVs, in uh, in semiconductors. And one of the areas that has a lot of exposure to that are China A-shares. That really offers a diverse exposure to China's long-term economic growth potential, as opposed to something along the lines of Hong Kong listed shares, which has a lot of property, financials, uh, infrastructure, which one would consider to be the old China. China A has a lot more of what I would consider the new China, and that's where the opportunities can emerge. But it's likely to remain volatile. But there are long-term opportunities with associated risks. And it's also likely that the negative sentiment might have reached a peak. But keep in mind that emerging markets, by their very nature, are extremely volatile. So uh, one has to go in with a strong uh, stomach for volatility uh, and go into some very, very specific plays, not just investing in China. A strong stomach and a long time horizon are very important for China and for emerging market investing in general. And Sam, with with some of the recent U.S. regulations prohibiting U.S. investors from investing in certain sectors in China, how does that factor into your thinking about the opportunity for investors? So one is the fact that the liquidity concerns. So foreign investors have been selling their China shares, redeeming them. So that creates price pressure in the short term. But over the long term, uh, China does need capital to fund these new opportunities. So it does present an opportunity for those who have the strong stomach to provide that type of risk capital. So not a straightforward investment proposition, but uh, an investment opportunity nonetheless. Thanks, Sam, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Michael.